Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by NFNL Match of the Day commentator Jordan Canellis And Jordan, it's great to have footy back on the weekend. Obviously, it's a massive round of, of results and plenty of new faces across the league. You obviously were out at Old Altham Collegians as they took on the Panton Hill Football Club, but in general, I think you ask anyone and they're just happy that we're playing footy once again. Absolutely. New season. Uh, It's good to be here again for the second episode, Samuel. New season, new faces, as you said, Uh, a new club, which is where we were for the the match of the day call uh, on the weekend. Not the result that Old Altham would have wanted, obviously, but um, I think the day was uh, it, it was more than just the result. It was it was them being here, being part of the Northern Football Netball League. They're here now. They're they're a new member, um, and the results will come. The results will come. You just have to look at some of the other new clubs that have joined the NFNL recently, and most of those teams are now having success. So uh, yeah, it might be a slow start for the Turtles, but it, the results will come eventually. And it was just a good occasion to see them in their new ground, which is a nice venue as well. It's got a great view out the back if you're standing up on the on the hill, on the wing. So, uh, yeah, good to be part of uh, another um, momentous and historic day in the North. Well, obviously we'll kick off with Old Altham Collegians. I think the thing that's worth noting as well, new club to our league, but also it's a new team almost that's been assembled from from what they, uh, the side that they had last year in the VAFA, 12 players playing for the first time for Old Altham on the weekend. So that's going to take time. Had a few injuries that they sustained in the last week or two at training and, and didn't have their skipper, Tim Woods, as well. So they'll certainly be able to build on that. And, and going forward, it's obviously great to have them in our league. They obviously actually started on the Friday night on the netball courts as well. So unfortunately, they didn't weren't able to rack up a win in the netball, but their reserve side won the first game in, in, their, in the league, beating Panton Hill by six points. Obviously, the seniors, as we said, couldn't emulate that, but... A great, uh, a successful start for for Old Altham, nevertheless getting out there and, and at least having one win across their opening three games of the weekend. I guess we go right across the league, then some interesting results on the football field. I think there's no doubting that there was some really big stories to come of it. Obviously, we'll look first off in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 and first a, a recap of the winners. Northcote Park defeated Bandura on the Friday night by 35 points. Heidelberg on Saturday upset reigning Premier West Preston Lakeside, ruined their Premiership flag unfurling. That was, in the end, a comprehensive result, 34 points. West Preston Lakeside actually led that one at three-quarter time. Greensboro far too good for Hurst Bridge. North Heidelberg turning the tables on McLeod from last year's final series, but also emulating what they did in Round 1 last year. They got a 33-point win this time at the Winton Park. And perhaps the real story, and the one we'll look at first, is lower plenty coming from behind to beat Montmorency, conceded the first seven goals, did the Bears. Looked like their return to Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 wasn't going to be a memorable one, but it turned out to be just that. They proved far too good for the Magpies in the end. They kicked 16 of the last 20 goals of the game, and this win could prove telling as the season goes on. Yeah, this was probably the biggest story of the week um, across the NFNL, probably you know, definitely Division 1 anyway, lower plenty. 35 points down at uh, at quarter time, and then I think it was 12-15 to 1-8 in the two middle quarters, which is huge. 12 goals, I mean, that's, how many goals scoring? That's 27 scoring shots, I think, to, to 9 in those middle two quarters, which is unreal uh, from lower plenty. Firstly, it tells us that that they are 
I think they're ready for Division 1. I think that they've come up. I mean, it's only the first round, so you, you never know. And look, Montmorency finished in the bottom half of, of last season's ladder, but um, just by that alone, they, they sort of have the belief in themselves that they can perform in Division 1. And, you know, the, the grand final, is as freakish as that day was, um, it, it still proves that, you know, even the, the, the topsy-turvy, topsy-turvy nature of that game, Lowell Plenty still deserve to be here with the players they've got. It was the, the experienced players that led the way. Darcy Barden, um, Paddy Flynn, and, and Ben Patterson scored four goals. He was the match winner on grand final day last year. Um, but also, uh, um, contrary to that as well, it's a little bit worrying for Montmorency, you'd have to say. Um, Gary Ramsey, the, the new coach, they brought in a few new players, probably not as many as what we might have thought. More about the youngsters, I think, bringing them through for Montmorency. And, and that's always that's been the case with them, even on their, their last few coaches... Is bringing in the next generation from the from the 19s, um, but that's uh, that 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 is a worry to be up by that much, Mont, and then to only to only score one uh, one goal eight in this, those two middle terms. Um, that's something they're going to have to bounce back from really quickly. Yeah. Also, their their cause wasn't helped by the fact there was a few early injuries. Uh, Matt Hunt and Michael Fitzgerald didn't play any further part after the first quarter, and then lost Ben Walton late in the piece as well. But as you say, concerning kicked the first seven and then conceded 13 of the next 14 goals. While it wasn't great for Montmorency, it certainly was for Lower Plenty. We caught up with the coach of the Lower Plenty Bears, Ben Turner. Here's what he had to say about Saturday's big win over the Montmorency Footy Club. Ben, welcome back to Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. And for your side, what, an, what a remarkable way to, to jump back into things with a, a come-from-behind win over your closest rival. Yeah, thanks, Samuel. Um, it's just an amazing game of footy to be involved with. It feels like the last two games the footy club's been involved with have been pretty memorable ones, I think. So, um, yeah, nice little intro back into Division 1, that's for sure. We know it's always a challenge for any side coming up to, to make the grade so quickly when they move into into the top flight. But for you guys to get that win first up, uh, how important is that as you, you set yourself on what's hopefully a, a great campaign in 2019? Yeah, I think it's pretty important, mate. We um, we're still not sure where where we stand, and and we won't probably know that for for a few weeks. But um, you know, being able to register a win first up, I think, just gives the group a bit of uh, a sense of belief, I suppose, and confidence that um, you know, if they're playing at their best, then you know they can certainly um, match it with um, some very good sides in Division One. So um, you know, the first. The first uh, challenge we've had, I suppose, we've been able to to tick that box, and um, we look forward to each week that presents. You know, because there's no easy um, no easy games in first division, so um, it's a good start nonetheless. First quarter, you, you go into I guess quarter time, and you're staring down the barrel, aren't you? Thirty five points down. What's the message when when the group comes in? Obviously, seven goals to one, and, and things aren't looking too great. Yeah, no, that's a that was a very sharp, steep learning curve for many. Uh, you know, quarter time where you know seven to one down, like you say. And my main message was basically for, for for much of them just to relax. You know, I think we we actually felt like we probably had a fair bit of the football in the first quarter, but uh, you know, mistakes were just being um, I guess magnified much more because we we're being scored against really quickly. So the scoreboard sort of got away from us. Uh, very quickly, and the, when the siren came, actually, I think we kicked the last goal before quarter time, which um, you know could have been seven to nil at, at quarter time. But maybe that last one just maybe settled some nerves because I think 
you know, whilst there was some probably some nerves in the playing group, I think there was some nervous apprehension, you know, anticipation about it from the crowd and the and the coaches' box too. So it was a good opportunity at quarter time just to get in and I guess just reassess and um, you know change a couple of things and we sort of pre-planned it uh, before the game and yeah, just sort of just have a have a minute to to sort of take your breath, you know, and uh, reset and go again. I mean, could you could you anticipate what what's to come? I think in the next two quarters, it's it's twelve goals to one. I mean, even in that third term, you you could have been probably further ahead, eight behind. You registered as well. I mean, even in your wildest dreams, can you anticipate that when you've gone from conceding the first seven, that you're going to respond and and go into the final change, nearly six goals in front? Yeah, no, probably not. No, that's an honest answer. I didn't think that was that was going to be the case, but um, you know. It, I guess it's just the momentum that we created. Um, you know, we just we were managed to just continue to you know get the footy inside fifty and put you know put Montmorency under pressure and you know and, and playing on our ground. It's a really it can be a really easy ground to score quickly on, uh, as we've seen in the past. And you know we saw it firsthand in the first quarter. So we probably felt you know if you get a few and get a bit of a run on and get some momentum and you know probably chip away at the at the margin. That was probably our our first thought at half at quarter time and then. I guess to turn, yeah, turn the second quarter in front. Um, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised. Yeah, yeah, sorry, the third quarter in front. I was a bit surprised, but nonetheless, yeah, we just, um, I guess, just built on that you know, momentum that we had in the second quarter and utilised it to our advantage. Um, yeah, moving forward. I guess it's it's been no secret uh, for anyone in the competition that, that your top end talents is as good as anyone, even when you were playing in in second division. But to have the likes of you know Darcy Barden and, and Paddy Flynn, you know, playing massive games. Obviously, we know the talent of a player also like Tom Keys. But how important are they, are they to I guess relaxing those those younger guys now coming up to a higher grade? Yeah, huge. Um, you, you can't deny their influence both um, on and off the field. You know, they're both. Uh, really lead and you know, certainly lead really well. They've, they've been captains of the football club. You know, Paddy's the current captain, and uh, Darcy was the previous captain. And their their leadership's really important to this uh, to this young group. And you know, they they set the scene, they set the tone, and the players just follow. And they don't play too many bad games. And on the weekend, you know, both of them were huge, um, played huge games. And, and as I said, the rest of the boys just sort of jump on board and follow. And and really enjoy watching. I know the crowd really enjoys watching uh, watching them play each week. To also see players like Ollie Wilson and, and Tyler Wallace feature amongst the best players as well, it must get you pretty excited about that next generation, rather, of players coming through the club. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Tyler Wallace is he's only 17 years of age, um, just straight out of uh, 17s pretty much. He had a, had a year in our under-19s last year because the under-17s didn't have a side, so... He was on a steep learning curve last year and he played eight or nine games in Division Two seniors and you know, his preseason's been huge and yeah, you know, he took a little while, a bit like Ollie, took a little while to just adjust to the uh, the difference in intensity, um, you know, between a division one and a division two game. But once they picked up the speed, they they both played really well and I think without uh, you know, if we didn't have the influence of those guys and others that it's um you know, that that certainly you know, picked up, you know, the slack, I suppose, and, and all came together and played well. Um, we wouldn't have been in the position we were in by winning. So, Ben Patterson obviously, obviously immortalised himself last year with his goal in the grand final. But I mean, he's a player who's been twice in the Div Two Team of the Year. He just jumped straight into Division One footy, four goals on the weekend, a great effort. And I'm sure for him, there's that that t- tinge of sadness as well with his brother Sam going down with what looks to be a season-ending injury again in, in the preseason. Yeah, look, it's um, it's it's heart wrenching for Sam. You know, Sam 
obviously went down in 2017 with a with an ACL injury and then, you know, did, did all the rehab and did everything right, did a whole pre-season and in our second practice match he goes down again with another ACL and, you know, to Ben's credit, you know, he's it hasn't affected him too much. Not, not that he's shown it to us anyway. He's um, he's been wonderful, you know, on in the, throughout the pre-season and, you know, to see him perform the way he performed on Saturday and, you know, he's only 20 years of age. He's got so much uh, upside and so much good footy ahead of him. Um, you know, he's, he's looking forward to the day when he and Sam get back out there to play senior footy again together. Um, so it hasn't looked like it's affected him, but, um, no, look, he's just a terrific player. Um, and we love watching him play every week. I guess now you get a bit of an extended break ahead of round two. It's a massive game that's coming up. You travel to Greensboro on Good Friday. Obviously, they had a massive win, so they're also going to go in with great confidence. I guess a two-part question. One, how do you prepare for an opposition who you know is one of the benchmark sides of the competition? But but then also, how do you actually manage that elongated break in between round one and now round two? Yeah, look, I think... Um Look, the first part to your question, obviously seeing the results from Saturday in Greensboro, the way they've, uh, they've defeated Hurst Bridge, it's, uh, it's certainly a daunting task that uh, presents us. Um, but just with the group that we've got and the, the young, the youthfulness of our group, we'll, we'll just take it head on. And obviously it's a it's a big day for the, the footy the footy club, but also the league, you know, playing on Good Friday and being the standalone fixture for the weekend, um, which obviously creates a fair bit of attention. So it's... Uh, it's a big move for us to be on that big stage, but we're um, it's one that we'll certainly embrace. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. But I think we'll obviously appreciate the break. We've played three practice matches and obviously straight into round one. So we've been on for four weeks and um, yeah, up and going. So I think the boys after Saturday's match, and I think the Bonnie boys can attest to this, it was quite a physical game of footy and the nature of being on such a small ground and with such a heated uh, rivalry. Um, I think both sides, threw everything at each other so I think our boys will benefit from a, from a weekend off and, and give themselves every chance against a um, against a side like Greensboro Well Ben congratulations on the win first up we wish you all the best in the upcoming game against Greensboro and really appreciate you joining us on the NFNL podcast no, My pleasure thanks Samuel good on you mate Great to hear there from the coach of Lowell Plenty Ben Turner Looking at some of the other results as well, Jordan, obviously we said from the outset Northcote Park had a good win under lights against Bandura. Had a really good start. The Cougars kicked the first three goals, all of which went to Jackson Stasevich in the opening five minutes of the game and, and were able to hold a lead thereafter. It was a, a bit of a topsy-turvy start after quarter time. Bandura pegged them back in the second term, but the game was probably done and dusted by three-quarter time. The Cougars had opened up a six-goal lead. It was only a goal on three-quarter time to Todd Hughes, which got Bandura back to 30 points at the last change. But on the Cougars, I mean, where do we see them? It's obviously only one round in, but when their best players are playing well, they're, they're good enough to beat anyone. It's funny, we always we always see Northcote Park as a contender. I don't think there's ever been a year in the last probably since they won their last flag in, in 2012, where we've gone, oh, they're, they're out of the race this season right from the start. Um, or we don't consider them to be a finals hopeful, you know, from our pre-season predictions. We always think that Northcote Park will be will be around the mark. Uh, for different reasons, you know, that hasn't always eventuated. They have, they've had a lot of VFL players, or VFL listed players in their time, which have, you know, who have come and gone throughout the season. But um, I think they've, looks like they've bettered down a, a sol- solid list this season. Um, and that, that, I mean, it's a great first win. They've got themselves off the mark, but um, probably what we saw on, on the Friday night is going to be what we see throughout the season where this team is really going to revolve around the key pillars in the, the forward half. And 
Um, Jackson Stasevich scoring five goals. Great start for him for the season. When they get Ash close at, at um, you know, different parts of the season, they're going to be an unstoppable force. Probably make for the best forward pairing, really, in, in the competition. In terms of tall forwards, I don't think there's a comparison. Certainly not in our league. We've probably gone into a, a situation where small forwards have been in vogue in recent years. You look at leading goal scorers, Moorcroft, Saad, mm. and whatnot, but, but these two are the two uh, twin towers in that forward half, and it really comes down to the midfield battle Northcote's midfield won the first five minutes of that game, kept winning the ball f- you know, out of the centre clearance, getting it forward. And if you're an Eamon Gilbert standing at full back, what do you do when the ball's right out in front of the eye line of Jackson Stasevich? When he gets full extension, you, you just yeah. can't get around him. So that was a big result. Also, uh, brought... Night footy starting starting to become uh, in vogue, isn't it? A few more sides or clubs are getting lights uh, renovated or restored or upgraded, probably is the correct word. And we saw a fair bit of Friday night footy across the grounds. Northcote Park's done it for the last couple of years in their season opener, but it was also good to see night football at RJ Brockwell Oval, where Banyuls under-19s defeated Greensboro. Altham Central hosted the first women's game of the season as well, where Altham got a win over St. Mary. So it is good to see games being played under lights. We're seeing a few twilight games coming up even this weekend as well. So adds another element. There's perfect conditions on Friday night, and I think that's something going forward we'll see more of, which is exciting because it allows fans to get to more games across the weekend when you're not all playing at the one time at the Saturday at, at 10 past two, albeit it can become a, a nightmare for us radio team when our, a lot of time slot is obviously that one till five on Saturday afternoon. There are a few games we might not be able to, to call over the airways uh, with with the games getting pushed to, to later starting times. Yeah, no, I like I like the Friday nights. I like the alternative times. As you said, we can only really call the, the 2.10 game given our sort of radio restrictions, which is fine because 2.10 is the traditional um, footy first bounce time. Um, but yeah, if you want to get to a couple of other games throughout the weekend that that uh, option is becoming available to you now to, to get down to um, you know Bill Laurie Oval in, on this occasion and I think Montmorency has uh, occasionally done a twilight game absolutely I think there's one coming up in a couple of weeks time as well so mm. uh, obviously all those details and fixtures available at nfnl.org.au and you get big crowds too because everyone's there it's, it's normally they're the standalone game so you don't really have I mean this Friday we had we had the three, but in terms of senior men's, it was just the one. So anyone who's sort of invested in the senior men's, everyone's down there. It almost, it's almost like a, a final in a way because you get that big crowd feel. In terms of the other winners, Heidelberg for mine was was somewhat of an upset win just purely for the fact they're playing the reigning premier. That was an earlier start at 140. Heidelberg led at quarter time and uh, also at half time. West Preston Lakeside kicked three late goals in the third in the third quarter to take a two point advantage into the last. But Heidelberg really played some impressive f- football in the last quarter. Seven goals to one to run away with that win. West Preston Lakeside far from their best side out in the park. Uh, a host of senior players that, that weren't available for selection in the first game. But uh, Saad still kicked six goals, six of 12. But Heidelberg, what impresses me most there is the fact they've kicked 17 goals. Mm. We talked about them probably the last couple of years. Last year, perhaps starting to, to change the trend a bit, but being a lower scoring side, they've uh, smashed the triple digits there. So a great win for them ahead of playing Hurstbridge this weekend. Yeah, it's a good point. that They have traditionally been a defensive side, haven't they, Heidelberg? I think in their premiership winning season most recently, 2016, I think, they were the best, by far the best defensive team. Their, their attacking stats were you know, middle of the road. They're pretty average, really, but they won that, that premiership on defence. This time around, it's changed. So they had Wright, who kicked three goals, Grimley, who kicked three goals, and a couple of the new players got involved too, which is good. So... 
perhaps unlike um, a few of the other sides, like Bandura, who had a big list turnover, um, McLeod as well, who have had significant changes, maybe not to the same volume of Bandura, but Heidelberg have had a lot of, uh, you know, additions, um, but luckily for them, or, you know, maybe not luck, they probably worked on it, I'm sure, during pre-season, <laughs> but it clicked for them in round yeah. one, which is really important. And new faces really having a big influence. Jack Blair was, was named as the Tigers' best. Uh, he just say uh, uh, Wright was in the best players as well. I uh, also saw Tim Noakes kick a goal. Anthony Bonadio got two as well. So their new faces having an impact first up. Perhaps in a way we may have buried the lead here because we'll now look at North Heidelberg's win against McLeod, led from go to woe. Massive win for the Bulldogs because we said uh, in the pre-season that we weren't exactly sure exactly where they sit, purely for the fact that they'd obviously lost what we thought were a few players to VFL commitments, but both Jesse Tardio and Jai Baddeley-Kelly both played for the Bulldogs at the weekend. You look at some of their inclusions going into the year as well, and, and Shane Biggs uh, amongst the goal kickers. Uh, Person Clark's one to keep an eye on, a, a, pers- a player rather with a cricket background as well, came in with... Uh, Shane Biggs, but uh, Morgan Person-Clark, that's one to keep an eye on throughout the, the course of the year as well, but a fantastic start for them, starting the year in identical fashion to 2018 as well. Of course, that one where they beat McLeod at Shelley Street, this time doing it away from home. So that's a big result for North Heidelberg, a statement of some intent uh, in Brent Harvey's first game as coach, and for McLeod, well, some work to do. There are obviously a lot of new faces in that side. They'll take some time to gel, but as impressive as the win was for North Heidelberg, just a bit of concern there for McLeod. Yeah, North Heidelberg, they stretched that game out as well. So 14 points at quarter time, 12 at half time, and then 20 and then 33, the uh, the final two um, quarters. So they uh, they led all day and then they pulled it out towards the end. And it's great that they've got some of those those names who are VFL listed. Tardio, Badley, Kelly, as you said. Uh, Liam Hunt, another one of those. But as long as they, if they can keep them in that, team as long as they can. It's going to be hard with VFL, but they're always a chance to win any game in uh, in this season. Um, but also the new names as well, or maybe not not just the new names, but, but old names who might be stepping up. So Billy Hogan is the one that I'm alluding to here. Was a part of their team last season, played a good majority of the season, but stood out as probably the best player on the ground uh, on the weekend and, and was, was a, a highlighted player in that in that game. And then, obviously, as you said, Shane Biggs, AFL player, kicked two goals. And two underrated players in the North Heidelberg lineup: Ryan McGee, Nick Matthews, make a great defensive unit. If you get a yeah. chance, get to the NFNL website, check the highlights. Nick Matthews, Mark. Well, I'm not calling him Lee Matthews. The way he hit that behind <laughs> post, I don't know how he didn't do any damage. Got up was okay, but he cannoned into it. One of the great marks in the end. Eyes only for the football. Thankfully, okay, but... Doesn't they, those two probably just sneak under the radar? Get the job done most weeks. Ryan McGee is a, is a great defender. We saw him close down Ahmed Saad, I think, in the uh, final last in the year. Final last in, in year, the qualifying. Yeah, he's he's normally he can play tall. He's sort of a, he's got those long limbs, but he can play on the, on a midsize or a small forward, and and normally does a, a really good job. He's probably you'd say one of the most underrated defenders in Divi One. Yeah, had, and again named in the best in the weekend. I think yeah. internally, very oh, they know. very highly regarded. They know. And the final game in Meadows Greyhounds Division One, unfortunately, was was very one sided. Greensboro far too good for Hurstbridge in a 113 point result. We talked about Heidelberg and in the past what we thought was somewhat of a scoring deficiency, just preferred games that are obviously not, not shootouts. Well, Greensboro has been that's probably been their one weakness for a number number of years is is finding a forward to kick, you know, mm. bags of goals. Well, 
They might have had a makeshift forward on the weekend. Ben Fennell against his former side. He kicked six. Tyne and Smith added three, uh, four rather, and Andrew Stullis three. They've kicked 23 goals for the game. They had five goals in no time. First time I checked the live scores there, it was only a couple of minutes yeah. after the game started. They were already up five goals to nil. So as good as the win was for them, a concern for Hurst Bridge. Um, I mean, for the Bridges, they only managed the five goals. And that game was really over by probably the first quarter, wasn't it? So plenty of work to do for Hurst Bridge, but Greensboro was one of the pre-season stories with the players they brought into the side. And when you look at the fact that Ben Finnell's kicked six, Tom Bell's had a massive impact, and Charlie Molyneux is almost a recruit himself, given he missed so much football in his first year for the Borough. That's a, a real statement from Greensboro. Yeah, and he was, he was amongst the best as well, Charlie Molyneux, which... Last season, he was their, their headline signing. Uh, and as you said, he didn't play much football. He played, uh, I think, a lot of sandful football in South Australia. In the past, yeah. He yeah. was on the Adelaide list. He won some compass, a compass and Ferris within one of the South Australian leagues as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but you're right as well. I think we, uh, on the on the call on Plenty Valley FM, we saw the um, Nick Sacco was doing the around the grounds. And I think five or ten minutes into that first quarter, they were already five goals to nothing up. So... Uh, you know, might say a little bit about Hurstbridge as well. Hopefully, they can pick themselves up throughout the rest of the season. But Greensboro now that uh, that big percentage boost from from round one. Uh, they sit on top of the table, and and um, given my preseason predictions on last week's episode, I think they're going to be there and thereabouts this season in that top two, top three. So a great start for them. And Ben Fennell leads the Division 1 goal-kicking tally as well. Yeah, well, there was talk he might have played for Essendon at the weekend. He's certainly been named as part of that Essendon squad. And I'm sure a few of the, the Hurst Bridge faithful would have been hoping that his name yeah. was read out by <laughs> Essendon in the selection, in, in team selection on the Thursday night. It wasn't to be in... Uh, against one of his former sides, really having a big impact in his first game. Pushing into A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, um, the winners were Whittlesey comfortably away to Epping. Thomastown, no match at all for Eltham. Mm. Eltham started with the first four goals and, and went on for a comfortable win at Main Street Recreation Reserve. Diamond Creek beat the Fitzroy Stars in a highly competitive game at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. And Watsonia got an important win to start the season against St Mary's. That's a, a great win for Watsonia, given the fact that it took them until round 18 last year to yeah. record the runly win. They're on the board early, and it had equal significance as well because it was their former skipper, Matt Crompton's final game. Uh, his work commitments won't allow him to play any further in 2019. They knew that going into the game. So as important as the, the, it was to bank the four points, to just build some confidence, equally important to, to get a win for a player who's been a, a legend within the Watsonia Football Club. Yeah, a, a great champion of the Saints. I think every time we've seen Watsonia play in the last three, four, five years, he's always been amongst our best. I think we've always given him a vote or two in the in the player of the day votes at the end of the end of the game. Um, and yeah, unfortunate that that work gets in the way, but that's that's reality of, of local footy. And Matt Crompton has obviously made a, an important life decision there, which uh, he has to make for his own sake, obviously. Um, but yeah, a shame from what Sony's point of view that they'll lose a great champion of, of their club. But as you said, good win to start the season against a, a team in St. Mary's who are being promoted, but coming into this season full of confidence after their premiership in Divi 3. So what's only there? Broke away late. There were two goals in front at three-quarter time. Final term piled on five goals to one. As we said, it was Matthew Crompton's final game. The leadership reins have now been handed over to Adrian Alfonsi and Ben Sutherland, who have been named co-captains for 2019. 
We actually caught up with the retiring Matt Crompton just to hear what he had to say about his final game and about the career that spanned back at, at McLeod Footy Club where he won a premiership in 2009 and then during his time with Watsonia. He's the retiring captain of the Watsonia Football Club, Matthew Crompton. Matt, thank you for joining us. Obviously, a bittersweet uh, day on Saturday. Obviously, great for your side to get a win, but you've hung up the boots now. Can you just uh, take us through your decision to retire from football in the Northern Football Netball League? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Um, look, it wasn't um, wasn't a, a quick decision, that's for sure. Um, but just at this point of my life, um, family and work sort of had to take take precedence. And um, so, yeah, just got a got a new job and. Um, with the way that the, the roster works, I can't commit to a full season every game, every week. So, um, yeah, just I, I didn't want to put that strain and that sort of pressure on the coach to keep my spot um, available. And it's not fair to my teammates either. So just thought I'd um, hang them up, help out where I can in a coaching role or a, an assistant role or anything that I could do to help them throughout the rest of the year. But, uh, but yeah, it won't be fine. I guess looking back on on your time, you obviously started out at McLeod. If we can go all the way back to to where it all began, and you're part of the 2009 Premiership side, um, can you just take us back to to how it all began as as playing senior football in our league? Yeah, um, so got um, got the opportunity to play the in the 2008 um, senior side, uh, which which lost to Thomastown, um, and then. Went around again. I was uh, I started off as a as a tagger. Um, my aerobic capacity uh, allowed me to do that. I was able to run pretty much all day. Um, we had our ball winners and our go to midfield. So yeah, I had the uh, the task of just locking down and shutting down the the most dangerous. Um, that got me through a few years at uh, McLeod up until 2011. Um, made the move to Australia with some mates. Um, and, and just yeah, hit the ground running. Was able to be more of a leader, um, teach some of the younger kids coming up as well. And um, from there, it's history. Was given captaincy the next year, 2013. Um, and, and yeah, bloomed bloomed through there. Grand final, 2016, and here we are. With, in terms of, obviously, when you first came across to Watsonia, the club was in a, a different position to, to, I guess, where they are now. Obviously, the, the first year, I think, it was a real battle in, in third division. Things turned around pretty quickly, and you, you're playing off in a grand final the very next season. But can you just go back to that first year? I mean, how tough was it going from having a, a regular senior spot in a McLeod side that's playing first division football to now going to Watsonia and, and being part of a side that was, was probably battling in, in the lower division? Yeah, so first season at Watsonia, we, we won our first game of the year and uh, didn't win another game for the rest of the season. So it was, it was a battle. Um, but having a good good bunch of blokes playing and being out, having that off-field camaraderie um, made it bearable. I mean, you can get really down to dunce and not want to play uh, when you're losing every week. But we, we stuck together and... We were able to get each other through and think that, you know, look, okay, yeah, this year might be a write-off, but let's, let's stick with us, put in the hard yards for the next season. Um, a few things changed. We had a, a different coach, Lockie, Lockie Dornoff, came down the next year, brought a couple of recruits with him. Um, and just that, that change in, in on-field talent. Um, I mean, off-field, we're all still really tight. 
and um, having that bond between uh, the on-field and off-field, we're able to get, get ourselves to a, to a grand final. I mean, the years after that, you played off in a, in a few finals going out in the first week, but it was really 2016 where everything just seemed to, to click for the club. And, and for you on a personal note as well, can you just take us through that year where not only do you hold up the Premiership Cup, but also take home the, the competition Best and Fairest Award? Um, it's, um, it's, it was a bit surreal. Um, I, I, did, I certainly didn't expect the, uh, the league Best and Fairest that year. I think that I was... Oh, I played well, but not um, not to that level. That's for sure. We, um, I think, we had three in the top five from memory um, from Montana. So it, the spread throughout our team was pretty even. Um, I didn't win our our club best in Paris that year, so it just goes to show that people see things differently. And we had, a, as I said, we had a really good spread of talent in that side. Um, we we played for each other, and I guess that's that's what any side needs. You don't. Um, you don't rely too heavily on, on one or two players to get you through. And um, that, that's pretty much how that season went. We had any week, there was 22 players playing their role for the team. It didn't matter who took the goals or who got the touches. It was, it was about getting that win at the end of the day. I know it's often hard to, you, you, you hear it at all levels that you can't compare premierships, but looking back to when you played it in your first one with McLeod in 09 and, and then to Watsonia in, in 2016, I mean, is there one that, that you hold more, more dearly? Um, look, I'd, to give you an answer, I'd say Matonia, only because I was captain for it. Yep. Um, but playing off in, in the McLeod one, um, that was my first senior premiership and actually my first premiership as a footballer. So um, that one is still um, close to my heart. Um, but if I had to pick one slightly, it would be the Watsonia one, only because I was captain. In terms of the players you, you've played with and against, are there any that uh, you, you see as, I mean, who do you revere as, as the players that you've played with and, and also the best that you might have played against? Um, I, I never never liked uh, Danny next to Grand Army, that was for sure. <laughs> he, was, um, he was always one step ahead of everybody. Um, but I guess coming from AFL, um, it, he's always going to have that on everybody. Um, in terms of others, I mean, well, plenty was... Uh, with Finn, with um, Keys and, and uh, Flynn in the rock. Um, it was those two were were tough, tough uh, opposition. Not just those two, but you know, well, plenty as a whole. Um, I can't think of any others that I didn't like playing against. Um, everyone else, I sort of accept uh, the challenge, and you sort of you try and rise to it. In terms of yeah. those that you've played with, is there whether it's a favourite teammate, one that you just enjoyed playing with, or, or one that you thought was, was it the best of the uh, the pack that you played with? Um, uh, going back to McLeod, I have to say Tom Short. Yeah, um, he's easily the best captain I've ever had. Um, he the way that he held himself on and off field. I sort of I tried to take a leaf out of his book when I got given captaincy. Um, I got to play a couple of games with my brother. That was that was really good. That was fun. Um, and yeah, so I'd probably say those two. 
And and just finally, obviously, it's a, a new chapter for Watsonia. George Latouf's come in as coach. Obviously, last year, just that one win, which came in, in the final round of the season. But there just seems to be a, a new optimism around the club as, as they move forward in, in 2019. Obviously, on the field, you won't be a part of it after the weekend. But what do you, what do you think's in store for the Saints going through this uh, 2019 season? Um, look, around the club, we are optimistic. We're, I mean... Everyone sort of picked us for, for last this year, and I mean, off going off the history, rightly so. But it just means that, that there's no there's no outside added pressure on us. We we control our own future. So um, yeah, look, we're we're optimistic about the the processes that we have in place and the, the players that we have. And um, look, we'll just take it game by game and, and see how we go. Well, Matt, we appreciate your time tonight. Congratulations on everything you've achieved on the field. It's been great watching you play and all the best for, for whatever is coming up in the next chapter as well. Thanks very much, Sam. Appreciate it. Great to hear from Matthew Crompton. They're very open and honest there and he will be missed by those at What's Only a Football Club. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, great champion. Um... Uh, and a great leader on, on the field too. And um, interesting they've gone with, with the co-captain approach. I think Ben Sutherland is a great choice. We've seen him uh, many times. He's been there for a while and, uh, you know, uh, a great great defender. Can pinch it in the ruck here and there. And Adrian Alfonsi, that was uh, an interesting one, but he performed really well on the weekend. He did, and it was a return game for him. He missed most of last year. Actually injured in round one last year, I believe, and when he had been named part of the leadership group. So he had a disappointing campaign, and probably him being out led to a lot of the issues that Watsonia had, mm. probably struggling to kick scores last year, but great that he came back uh, on the weekend and was able to kick the four goals. And combined with uh, with Mitchell to kick seven between them as well, he, uh, he also a returning player this season to the Saints, so seven seven goals between sort of the two um, main forwards, you would say, this season. That's uh, a, a good good confidence boost for, for the start for Watsonia, so let's see how they can carry that on through the next couple of weeks. One to keep an eye on is Kobe Van Zwienen. I hope I've done that justice with my pronunciation, but a youngster, part, I believe, of the under-19s as well, if, if memory serves me correct, but he kicked a couple of goals and, and looked really good. One of them was one on the berth, broke a couple of tackles as well, so they might have found one there as well, mm-hmm. the Saints. Elsewhere around the A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 competition, Jordan, some interesting results. I think Thomastown would be disappointed yeah. not to get closer uh, to Altham final score there, 56-103. to 103. We know Altham didn't have the, the Curry boys in that side as well, but 25-point lead at, at quarter time. And the Panthers, even though Thomastown was able to close the gap in the second term, probably a game that the Panthers always had control of. Yeah, I don't want to start this Division 2 review on a down note, but I think Thomastown probably were the um, one of the, the main talking points from the weekend. Uh, we're all predicting them to do well this season. They've made finals last season. Um, their squad looks really good. They've got a really good team on paper, but that was a, a pretty a pretty dire start for, for the Bears in, in round one to score just the three behinds in the first term. You know, you do that against an Eltham side, and Eltham, they are, I mean, they've got some elite players in their team, um, some former AFL players in their side as well. So, you know, you let them get a run on early on in the first quarter, and they're going to take that and carry with it all game long. So that that would have put the Bears on a on the back foot to start with, and it certainly did, obviously, on the scoreboard. And, and it never really they never really got back into it. And then to end the game, seven fourteen, they had the scoring shots. When you look at that, those numbers, but unable to convert, and you know they lost the game by what was that forty odd points. Nick uh, Rebelt uh, is one of the new players at Alpha, one of the youngsters coming through. I think he's just come out of under seventeen football. He was named amongst the best. And Michael Steele with five goals for the Panthers. Fitzroy Stars, they hosted Diamond Creek, trailed by 15 points at quarter time. 
15 points at half time, <laughs> yeah. 15 points at three quarter time, and then went down by 14 points. I mean, big for Diamond Creek. They started last year as a side we thought had premiership ambitions. They'd lost the grand final in 2017, got a, a, had a big loss to Altham on Good Friday, and just never, their season never got going last year. So I think yeah. for their psyche, massive win. For the Stars, they'd be disappointed to lose at home first up, but it shows that how far they've come because last year they only had the two wins, a lot of heavy defeats. I mean, it's going to take them time to gel. So many players returning to the club, plus also the recruits that have come in under the playing coach Hayden Hetter. But I think based on that, 14-point defeat, Stars can take plenty out of it too. Yeah, and, and Corey Wanganin and, uh, and Brad Kairou's two new players to the Stars were named amongst the best as well. So you can see there that, that the new players they've brought in, or, or a lot of the old returning players to the Fitzroy Stars, um, uh, having uh, almost immediate impacts and... Diamond Creek, I wonder where their mentality is because last season they, I mean, they they fell off last season. They should have been um, in contention to to play in another grand final. We all thought they were around that mark coming into last year, um, but but never never really got their season going. So uh, I wonder where they think they're at. I'm sure within the club they believe that they can make finals and they'll they'll certainly be aiming for that. But where they sit amongst the other teams, I'm I'm interested to. I'd love to know that that sort of inner mentality. Yeah, I, th- I think they're, they're definitely a finals contender. We said last week when we did the predictions, and, and probably the hardest thing across all three senior men's competitions was, was trying to pick a top four for this second division competition. Yeah. Because for mine, I think there's six sides who genuinely think they're at the very least finals contenders, if not premiership contenders. Two of those are going to miss out. So games like the weekend, so crucial. And for the Creek, they're their best players stood up. Um, you know, you, you look amongst the best. Hugh Kavanagh had a great game. Interestingly, not named amongst the best yeah. on the website, but features in, in both coaches' coaches' votes. Uh, they also had a really good contribution out of Jacob Booth. Nathan Stills, uh, Nathan Sewell rather, has stepped up, uh, kicked five goals, which is, I'm sure, a PB for him at, at senior level. And they also got a good contribution out of two of their new players, James Marchbank and also Tom Bennett. Josh Marchbank didn't play at the weekend, so he's one to come in potentially this weekend when they take on Whittlesey. But one of the, I guess, the um, negatives for them out of the, the win was Tom Bennett, one of their new recruits, finished with a broken arm. So yeah. he, he'll probably miss a couple of weeks on the sidelines as well. We do have that Easter weekend coming up, so you gain a week there. But that's probably the, the one negative to come out of it for Diamond Creek. And, and the final game was... was blew out late against uh, between Whittlesey and Epping. The Eagles marking their return to A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 with, uh, I guess, a, a big win, uh, winning by 91 points, but sending a statement as well. That final term, they really piled on the, the goals against Epping. That game played at the back oval, Epping's main ground being uh, redeveloped at the moment, so that should be ready by the midway point of the year, but up on the top oval, it was Whittlesey far too strong in a 91-point win. Yeah, 10 goals in that last quarter. They'd already scored 11-9-75 at half-time, so the writing was always kind of on the wall at that point, um, and then 41 point at, at three-quarter time. That margin blew out to 91 uh, at full-time. Jaron Murphy and Sam Indian, four goals each. Um, he's become a bit of a, a utility player, Jared Murphy. Whenever we've seen him, he's always been around half forward. And then Sam Indian coming into the team this season at Whittlesea from South Morang, four goals on his Eagles debut. And there's there's goal scorers all around the grounds. Um, even Xavier Damasi, who I think got the, the tops, top votes and the coaches' votes, he kicked a double and he was their best player last season as well. So um, 
Yeah, there's uh, a couple of players to look out there, look out for there at, uh, at Whittlesea, but I think we'll get a, a better measure of where the Eagles are at throughout the season once they play some of the other top teams. Yeah, absolutely. Sam Indian, he's he's going to be one to to watch for years to come. He'll, Is I'm, he only 19 still? Uh, he's actually younger than that. Uh, oh, my word. <laughs> he, he's, he's not yet turned 18. Jeez. So he, last year, obviously, with South Morang, was a dominant player when he did appear. He played... 11 matches, kicked 36 goals, which include five or six in, in the, what was an elimination final, first semi, six against six, Lorimer yeah. is what he kicked. As I said, 36 goals in 11 senior appearances. Played 11 under-17 games last year. Oh, wow. uh, in fact, he played more than that because they also played finals as well, and obviously you have the grading period as well, so competitions are split, are split there, but comes in, plays second division footy now and kicks four in his first game. He, he's going to be some player. You feel that uh, surely he'll be appearing at, at higher levels I was going to in, say, no peri- in a short period of time. I was going to say, would he be on the cards of, of Northern Knights maybe? Uh, he'd think he'd have to be, wouldn't yeah. he? And even, I'm sure there's you know, BFL, BFL clubs as well that yeah. would be keeping tabs on him. 17 years old, mm. already 40 goals in 12 appearances at senior level. So He's one that I'm sure the Whittlesea faithful, they're they're glad they've got him at the moment anyway. So uh, that's a a good start there. And the Eagles, uh, based on that win on the weekend, they're in top spot on the ladder ahead of Eltham, Watsonia and Diamond Creek. Of course, Banyul had the buy in round one. They begin their campaign this Saturday. We push into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. It was Panton Hill getting a 70-point win over Old Eltham Collegians. Heidelberg West took the uh, Les Butterworth Cup by beating the Mernda Footy Club by 34 points. South Morang came from 16 points down at quarter time to eclipse Kilmore, winning that one by 6 points. And Lorimer, well, they really blew this one open late against Reservoir, won that one by 89 points. Final term, though, this uh, the power kicked 5-11 to Reservoir North. So the Mustangs, yes, I know it's it's a big defeat, but showing signs of improvement there. They were still within eight goals at three-quarter time, considering they lost that same fixture by, I think it was 200 points in the final round of last year. Yeah. It shows that uh, they're, they're starting to, to bridge that gap, which is great for them as well. Uh, it's, it's the little gains along the way for them, I'm, I'm sure, as they just strive to be more competitive. But... Lorimer, in the end, doing what they had to do. The key contributors, well, Josh Williamson, he kicked eight goals and was unanimously voted by the, the coaches as, as the best player on the ground. Uh, he was joined in the best by Mitch Thompson and a, a two new recruits in Kieran Sheen and Jordan Wilkins. Interestingly, Justin Sherman yeah. returning to the fold. And Adam Dennis, we said last year, last week that he had retired and they might see him. Well, he actually played in round one. So I think probably senses something special could be on the cards yeah. for Lorimer this year. So Sherman and also Dennis, two very, very good uh, veteran players to be playing with Lorimer this year. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a surprise to see Justin Sherman named... In the team, I think there was some paperwork issues last year that sort of kept him out and whatever the case was this year, but now he's now he's in. Yeah, absolutely. And um, his last two years that he played, he was in the Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 team, uh, team of the year. Yeah. So been playing for Whittlesey last year, came across to Lorimer, wanted to focus purely on coaching and not playing, getting the body right. Obviously feels that he's, he's done that and he'll be a, a massive acquisition for them. Um, some of the other results, we talked about Panton Hill from the outset, didn't have... Joel McClellan you know, in the ruck. Brent Wrighton was also a laid out, but did what they had to against old Eltham Collegians. Yeah, look, it was, it was pretty straightforward, that game. That was our, uh, our match of the day on uh, on the radio broadcast to see uh, old Eltham play their first ever game in the NFNL, but um, Panton Hill were, were too good. We noticed throughout, uh, throughout the game the, um, the the key forward pairing of Reese Boyd and, and Matt Byron till about 
to about half time, even three quarter time. They hadn't really kicked too many goals between them. The goals had come from elsewhere. Cam Jordan on his return to the Redbacks, he played really well in that small forward role. I think Matt Byron only had maybe a goal or two up until three quarter time, kicked another one in that last quarter. But Reese Boyden, I think all of his goals, all four of his goals came in the last quarter. Might have actually no, he kicked three, I think, in the third and then another one. So in, in the, the second last. half. So in the second half he, he came to life. He couldn't couldn't mark the ball to save himself in the first half, but found his rhythm uh, after half time, Reese Boyden and, and then kicked seven goals between them. So they're gonna be uh, another uh, it's gonna be another year of, of key forward domination, I think, at, at the Red Backs and now they've got those small forwards like Cam Jordan in the team and John T. Russian had a good game. And then a returning player in Nathan Hendry was among the best and he was fantastic. It was like he, he hasn't missed a beat. hasn't played a, played one game since 2016. Yeah, one game in three years. Obviously, he was best and fairest in the 2013 Premiership year. Missed the grand final, sadly was injured yeah, right. in the second semi-final. Or was it the pre- no, it was the second semi that, that year. And uh, he's come out and um, yeah been, been mm. dominant uh, in, in the win on the weekend. Um, two of the other two winners it were Heidelberg West and South Morang. Now, the, we feel that if these sides are, are going to be competing for final spots this year, they're going to be doing that against the likes of Mernda and Kilmore, who they played respectively on the weekend. So, big wins for both the Hawks yep. and the Lions. Heidelberg West, 15-18. So, it's 33 scoring shots That's to 19. and Still a comprehensive win. They've won by 34 points, but... Cole Hewitt, the big one there, he's finished with seven goals. Yeah, that, that's a big result for, for the Hawks. Uh, and to score that, uh, that have that total by the end of the match, 15-18-108, second highest score um, for the weekend in, in DV3 behind only Lorimer, who are playing, playing Reservoir. And then Kyle Hewitt to score those seven goals. Um, he didn't play for most of last season. Yeah, just he a was, handful of games, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think he's sort of been looking to transfer here and there and then had an injury, well, I think, when he came back. Yeah, he went well, He went to North Heidelberg and did his knee in his first practice game. That's so right, returned yeah. to the Hawks, played some, some reserves footy. He actually played in the reserves grand final last year. That's right. Back, yeah, yeah. Uh, back fit and firing. And if he can stand up at full forward this year, we know they've already got that aerial dominance with Jared Coulson in the ruck. If they can get quick movement into a player like Hewitt, I mean, his hands are as good as anyone in, in the entire competition, and we know he's generally a pretty accurate kick as well. Uh, I reckon you can take a photo of the ladder now, and it'll be very similar to how it's going to be at the end of the year. You've we'll got, hold you to that. You've got, all right, you've got Panton Hill on top. This was pretty similar to how he predicted it last week in our, our preseason predictions. Panton Hill on top at the moment. Lorimer second, Heidelberg West third, South Morang fourth, and then Kilmore and Mernda just outside the top four with Reservoir, Old Eltham and, and Layla bringing up the rear. The bottom three might change around a bit. I expect Layla to get a couple of wins. Um, they had the bye, obviously, in the first, wa- first round. But I think that's... That's pretty similar to how I think it's going to be like that for most of you. I don't want to, I don't want to call the season off after round one, and you know everyone forgets about it. But um, I think that's that's going to be how it looks come round eighteen, nineteen. South Morang last year started the year with a loss at, at Kilmore by five points. This year re- reversed that. We're able to get a six point win. Alex Kalidas, the uh, really important player in the forward line, he kicked four goals, including a, a gem from the boundary where he he rolled one through early in the last quarter to I think actually give the Lions a lead as well. Ben Musket amongst the best players as were Ty Hall and Bailey Brown who have been two of their best in the last couple of years and James Houston and also Luke Shelton having an impact as well. Disappointing for Kilmore there because they're generally very hard to beat at home and they'll feel that they've let one slide, led at the end of the first, second and third quarters but in that final term, four goals to two in South and Rang's favour. You don't get those wins back so they're going to have to work hard but good to see Chris Ryle as their best player came in with big raps, a youngster, still I think a teenager as well coming across from Caulfield. He was named best and Shane Skidmore also kicked four goals. Steve McIntyre having an impact in his first game back 
with the Blues. We've also uh, had the start of the, the women's competition as well over the weekend. Just the two games that were played, Altham were 6-6-42, defeating St Mary's 1-6-12. That was under lights at Altham Central Park on Friday night. On Saturday, Diamond Creek women's, they had a runaway win against West Preston Lakeside at J.E. Moore Park. The Roosters unfilled their 2018 Div 2 Premiership flag, but it was Diamond Creek who ruined the parade. They kicked five goals to one after half time to win that one there. We've got the remainder of the women's competition playing their opening round this weekend. So we've got 22 sides all in one grading competition, and they'll then be split up into three competitions after four rounds. So plenty of action to be played this weekend. There's games on Saturday and also on Sunday, and a few new clubs coming into the fold as well. Heidelberg, Hurstbridge, Reservoir and Wallen are set to play their first games in our competition. Montmorency and Darabin rather have two sides in action, so there's a doubleheader at AH Cap Reserve. And Bendigo Thunder, they take on VU Western Spurs' first side. That's at Waruna Oval. That's an interesting one because Bendigo Thunder have been the dominant side in the top flight of our women's competition over the first two years, winning both premierships. VU Western Spurs, they'll have three sides in action this year. Their top side's been really close to, you know, they're playing in prelims in the the past years, one of the sides to push Bendigo. So that's a big one first up. Before the season started, we caught up with the new captain of the Bendigo Thunder, Early Bailey McClanahan, and she gave us an update from within the Thunder ahead of the 2019 season. Now joined by the new captain of the Bendigo Thunder, Early Bailey McClanahan. Early, congratulations on your new appointment. Uh, the club's won, obviously, both premierships in the Northern Football Netball League. How's things, I guess, looking ahead of the 2019 season? Yeah, so uh, we've got a lot of new players, uh, I guess uh, we've got, we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, so we're looking forward to a, a change, new people around the club, and I guess there's a lot of excitement about, you know, we've got new talent, we've lost a lot of old talent, but um, we've got to think about what's ahead and we've got a, a lot of new players coming, so it's exciting. For, for yourself, obviously, new captain, how are you finding the role over the summer? You've mentioned, obviously, there's a, a high list turnover, but how are you adapting to that role with, I guess, some, some new players around you? Yeah, look, um, I'm not going to lie, it's been challenging. Um, I think this year it's more focusing on team dynamic and things like that rather than football skills. I mean, we are focusing on that, but we're building team morale and um, I guess, yeah, getting that communication going. So it's going to be different and it's challenging, but difference good. So, yeah. Obviously, last year you went through a new coach um, with Lewis coming on board. Um, you know, how, how have you found working under him? Obviously, uh, I've been there for more than 12 months now, and, and last year the side responded, obviously, perfectly, winning a premiership. But how are you finding working, I guess, maybe even more closely with him now that, now that you are the captain? Yeah, look, um, I was there when um, Cherie was coaching. I love Cherie, and I think uh, Louis coming in was a, a big change, having a, a male head coach. I think a lot of girls respond differently to males, so that was really interesting to see. But I think he's fitted into the club really well, and um, I think he's taken on that leadership role like as everyone expected. So it's been really good having, um, I guess, different blood around the club. So. The, the club as a whole, obviously, uh, two premierships in the Northern Football Netball League. How are you finding being a part of our competition? Obviously, there's some travel involved in it, but I'd imagine with two premierships to your name, you've, you've probably enjoyed the, the two years you spent here so far. Yeah, look, I, I've loved it. It's It's been hard work. Um, I guess you spend a lot of hours on the road, um, you know, training at home during the week, but I think that adds to it as well. There's It's not just football. You get to go away for the weekend with your team and um, there's a lot more bonding that goes on on the bus trips. And so I think we get more than just football out of it, which I think 
that's why we've succeeded because it hasn't just been, you know, parents or yourself driving to a game. It's been you go as a team. So it's been, I think it's been great. And, and one last one, what is it that makes Bendigo such a powerhouse? I guess uh, you, you really dominated that, that first year um, from memory. I think maybe only lost one game or, or went through undefeated. And, and last year, obviously, had to overcome Keeler in that grand final. So dominant. Obviously, uh, you know, some of that talent's played at AFL level with Ballarat as well. But, but what is it about Bendigo that makes their women's team just such a powerhouse? Um, honestly, I think it's we have a lot of variety. We have, um, you know, people coming from little country towns to us and they come to Bendigo because they want to play. They're not just there because it's football and they, you know, they they want to play at a high level. So that's I think that's why they come to us. And I think, honestly, that's why we've done well because our players want to be at the best level they can and we're competitive. We're, we're from the country. We, you know, we're tough. <laughs> Uh, we look forward to seeing you in action again this year. Congratulations once again on being named captain and, and all the best for the season ahead. Yep. A great insight there from Early Bailey McClanahan, the new captain of the Bendigo Thunder. As we said prior to the interview, the, the culmination of round one in the women's competition takes place this weekend. Ten games in action around the grounds. Do head to the NFNL website for all the fixtures and times of those matches. Jordan Canellis, before we wrap up, we look briefly ahead to this weekend's games uh, in the men's football competition. What do you see as the biggest games and, and which sides potentially have the most on the line as we go into the Easter weekend? There's a couple in uh, in each division that are really, um, really sort of tasty to look at, I think. Um, division 1... West Preston Lakeside Northcote Park, I think, is going to be a big game. Just Massive, for, just for the Roosters to get off the mark this season. Um, reigning premiers, you don't want to be labelled too early into the season of, of having a premiership hangover, so they'll want to get off the mark as, as quick as possible. Hopefully, they can get some of those big names back in, and, and Northcote Park would want to continue on with their form. If they can win away against the the reigning premiers, Northcote Park, the confidence that they get from these first two weeks could carry them a long way into the into the. The, the middle grind of the season. It's twofold. If if Northcote Park does go away and win, what a great way to start by beating Bandura and West Preston Lakeside in the opening two rounds. And, and mm. for the Roosters, well, two home games, if they were to be Norton 2, as we said, still plenty of players to come back into that side. It's not panic stations, but yeah. not ideal given the fact there's, there's some real strong contenders around them this year. And then most at stake this weekend in Divi 1, I'd probably say it's Montmorency. Um, just to, again, get themselves off the mark as well. And, and not only that, but this weekend you've got the uh, the Gary Ramsey match. He now coaching Montmorency and taking on his former cl- uh, former team in McLeod. So that's going to be at the uh, at Montmorency Park, North Oval. So um, that's just going to be a fascinating game to see just for the, the connections now between the two sides. Yeah, I've gone a similar tact, albeit picked a different side. And, and I know it's, big, it's a big weekend for clubs like West Preston Lakeside, Bandura, McLeod all played finals last year and lost round one, but but I'm going Hurstbridge because they had such a good pre-season, won all of their practice match mat, uh, games, but then were really shown up in round one. They can't afford uh, a heavy defeat like that again. They travelled to Heidelberg, the Tigers, well, they look fantastic in round one, but Hurstbridge actually did win away to Heidelberg last year, and that was probably the win yeah. that saved them from relegation because uh, they obviously won those other games against Whittlesey. But th- that's a that's a big one for them. I think they need to, to need to respond in some fashion. Not saying it necessarily has to be a, a victory. It's always a tough ground to go to at Warringal Park, but they just can't afford a blowout defeat. Obviously, what works against them on the weekend as well was the side like Lowell Plenty had a win as well. So you've, suddenly your percentage has taken a hit, but you're also a game behind a side that 
if we're talking relegation and if for Hurstbridge's sake they don't want to be even thinking about that issue but uh, you know when you're looking at sides one's coming up from from second division you don't want them to be getting too far out of your sight as well so I think it's a big weekend for them also keeping in mind this weekend four matches on the Saturday there's a game to be played the following week that's Greensboro Lowell Plenty on Good Friday so that Mm -hmm. only the four in the top flight this weekend into second division division two I'm liking the looks of uh, Banyul v Elfham huge yeah that's a massive game the two sides who were who were left in the wake of um, Lowell Plenty come seasons and last season. Uh, that's that's going to be a massive game. And that's a twilight fixture. So that's 4-10 at yep. RJ Brockwell Oval, Banyul versus Elson. And one well, a game where both sides have a little bit at stake. Again, we might be reading a bit too much into this given it's only one game into the season. But St Mary's against Thomastown, uh, one side will get their first win of the season, which is going to be um, good for good for either team, and it's a home game for St Mary's, so they'll um, unfurl their flag. I'm they sure will. At, at their Park. first ever Premiership flag, and of course they'll do the doubles of because they'll have their reserves who did win the the past three Premierships in Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three. And speaking of that competition, if we can look ahead to that, yeah, four games, uh, one last one I was there. Say Diamond Craig a bit at stake as well. Absolutely big game yeah. that one out at Whittlesey. That that's a massive one because at the start of the year a lot of people talking Banyul and Altham as the two to beat mm-hmm. with perhaps one of these sides is maybe next in line, uh, perhaps Thomas Down as well. So one of those can can really emerge from the pack. And into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, another four games. There is another Twilight fixture, maybe the pick of the bunch. Well, I think so. With Panton Hill taking on South Morang AE Cracknell Reserve. Rematch of last year's preliminary final, 4.10pm first bounce. Both sides winners in round one. That's probably got two sides who are going to be contenders this year. Laylor plays its first game of the season, had to buy in round one there. Home to Lorimer. Heidelberg West travels to Chris Park to play Reservoir and Mernda at home to Kilmore. That's one to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's the one that I've uh, that I've bookmarked. Mernda v Kilmore. Um, both sides, uh, those are probably the two sides who might just be on the fringe of the top four. So these are the games that they've got to win. Similar to what we were saying earlier about Kilmore, you know, on the weekend losing to South Morang after uh, after leading at quarter time. Those are the games that that uh, Kilmore have to win, and they didn't. This weekend, they've got another chance. These are the sorts of games that both sides, really, not just Kilmore, but these are the games that either side have to win because they've just got to notch up wins throughout the season. There are going to be there are going to be lots of wins for Panton Hill. There's going to be lots of wins for Lorimer, for the likes of Kilmore, Mernda, Heidelberg West as well. You just got to keep on notching them. And we know, as you say, it's only one round of footy being played after this week. It's still only two rounds into a long season. But <laughs> we love Nor- to analyse, don't we? <laughs> but Norton 2, it, it starts to just worry yeah. some, doesn't it? And, and then if that then becomes Norton 3, you, exactly. you're really starting to get backs to the wall and, and you don't want that when you're trying to chase a finals place. But one of those sides, Mernder or Kilmore, will find themselves at Norton 2 after this weekend. Jordan, thank you for joining me in this episode of the NFNL podcast. My pleasure. To all those listening, we hope you enjoyed it. Of course, you will get this broadcast right throughout the 2019 NFNL football and netball season. Of course, it is a big weekend again in the netball on Friday night. Five venues in action as well. Grading took place at the weekend. It will continue this Friday and for the two rounds that follow after this. To everyone listening, we thank you for your company. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. Do enjoy your weekend of NFNL action.